Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us live on this podcast. Uh, apologies for the slight delay. We've had some technical issues, as you can um, probably understand, connecting the beautiful city of uh, Leicester with the beautiful state of Kerala, because I can't say where Nevin is, because no matter where he is in Kerala, it's going to be beautiful. So we've had a few difficulties, but we're here. And uh, you might not see Nevin in his full glory, but it's better than, you know, uh, not have seeing him at all. So hello, Nevin. Good afternoon to you. How are you, my friend? Good, good, good. Good afternoon to you as well. Good morning, is it? Yeah, good morning to you. Yes, good morning. I'm not going to tell you what it looks like because you'll be hearing the same thing for me for the next <laughs> uh, five, six months. But it'd be good to hear what it looks like after your, outside your window. It was, it was bright and sunny and I went out, had like a good brunch with an old college mate. It was a good Sunday so far. Brilliant. And it's going to be a busy Sunday for you because um, straight after this podcast, we've both got to... Um, uh, well, I'm actually keeping an eye on the cricket as well. That's going well so far. Um, and it's good to see people in stadiums. And uh, there have been yep. showing signs of uh, people in Sydney uh, outside the Opera House and what have you. And for me, living in England in the middle of a second lockdown, we're going to go into a third lockdown in the 16th when this ends. Uh, sorry, not on the 16th, on the 2nd. Um, we're still going to be in Tier 3 in Leicester. It's uh, unusual yeah. to see people enjoying themselves, but it's good to see as well. Yeah. And it was good yeah, to I see. I think the cricket as well. And we've got an ISL doubleheader plus a uh, uh, London Derby tonight. So, it's, it's a, yeah, like you said, it's a packed Sunday. Well, especially for you, because um, a couple of your teams are playing. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what sort of a weekend you have. It could be quite mixed, uh, but we'll see uh, how it pans out. And we'll talk about some of the games coming up today in a bit. But first, um, I want to uh, start off with, obviously, the big news this week and the sad news this week of the death of Diego Maradona. I know, I know everybody's been tweeting about it quite rightly, a lot of media coverage. Um, I don't know if you want to share your thoughts. I know you put out a tweet saying, you know, you're finding it difficult to uh, put some words together around that. Um, but um, you've had a few days. What are your thoughts on the sad, sad loss of a, you know, a lot of people are saying the greatest footballer ever. I, I, and I'm I'm one of those categories. I think I belong there. Uh, I've not necessarily seen Maradona play. I mean, I, I wasn't really... I was, a, I was alive, but I don't remember even the 94 World Cup, which is his last World Cup. So, for me, uh, if you have to categorize my generation of football, it's just more of Ronaldo from Brazil, Ronaldinho, Kaka. These are the players, you know, we idolize as kids. So, uh, but like... Maradona was always Maradona because my dad used to talk about it. My uncle, my elder brother, everybody is like Maradona. And everybody wanted to be Maradona when they were playing as kids. Like my brother, I, I, he keeps saying that everybody wants to be Maradona. He, I mean, they say they are, you know, they're Maradona. So uh, his impact was way larger. Like it's, he's, he's beyond football. It's larger than life sort of a, a player. And I know it's a very, very mean thing to say. And, and I'm sorry if I come across as insensitive, but like a friend of mine said, you know, in some sense, Maradona had to go early. Like, that's how he always lived his life. You know, he, I mean, if he had just died when he was, say, 105, people wouldn't have really, you know, that wouldn't be a Maradona way. He had to live his life, you know, fully and then, you know, just disappear one day and, you know, surprise the entire world. So in some sense, 
if you look at it from a you know emotionless you know just a very poetic point of view he lived his life and he lived his life beyond you know what a footballer can imagine in you know his uh, yes there were controversies but you know he came to inaugurate a jewelry in kerala and almost half of kerala was there to see him that's the kind of you know appeal that he has here in maradona everybody every argentina fan i know here has been influenced by maradona if not directly their parents their uncle somebody would have you know converted them into an argentina fan because of maradona not messi yes we, we i mean there is a messi generation out there also, but they were already supporting argentina because of this one person and like i think gary lineker said it was very nice uh, uh, talk that he gave but he, he said or cherio ferdinand was saying he was doing it in a pitch that was meant to be played football you know it's slipping and sliding and uh you know with a ball that is way heavier than what it is today in you know challenges about you know you you could you know challenge up to the hip, uh, hip and then you know get away with probably a yellow card and you know he 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 played football at that time so he was sort of like 15 years ahead of you know what his peers would say okay the messi is doing it ronaldo is doing it a lot of players are doing it right now but what he did when he did for you know places he did he he didn't go to win in barcelona he won in napoli now that's that's the you know he didn't win with the greatest argentina side with you know great players around him he single handedly took and that's what i think defined maradona as a player he 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 was a captain he was a leader he was a charisma an enigma so many things so many descriptions we can use to you know talk about him but i'm sure you know better i'm sure you followed him i would like to see you know i would like to hear what you think about maradona Well I think he he epitomizes when people say it's a one man team and um he truly was that person who led uh, like you said uh, Argentina to the 86 World Cup that was all down to him and I still I mean we saw clips a lot of clips this week of obviously the goals against England and they highlighted the handball goal um I still think you know any player in this situation in a World Cup game is not going to say oh no that hit my hand so uh you know but then straight after that second goal that everybody talks about is one of the greatest goals in the world cup and um i do remember seeing him so i'm showing my age here and i, I still remember seeing you know uh, him play and quite rightly the pitches were not carpets and the punishment he took you can see how his body all right there was other aspects to his life but you can see how physically his body took a beating a real beating because he was just far away um a much much better player quick thinker you know we know we, his ball skills were far superior to anybody any defensive midfielder or defender and there was a picture I saw the, the other day and that just sums him up there was i think about four or five uh, belgian players on him can you imagine four or five players on one player at the moment even now messi they double up sometimes triple up um but um and you mentioned the fact that you know he was such a uh, genius that he had to die early and what is it about these geniuses and they are geniuses because there's quite a few examples during that time and football has been sanitized recently but um well not recently last 15 20 years because we in england we you know, we've got the example of george best from northern ireland uh gascoigne who had the potential to be you know no way you know he was a world class player but even go further but the demons um 
caught up with him. Um, what is it about these geniuses that they leave lead such a full life on and off? Um, is that what makes them geniuses, uh, or is it the lack of something in their character that you know they can't? Uh, they're too nice. They say yes to everything, and then that is sometimes where they end up end up in trouble. Because we, I've seen the documentary during lockdown of Maradona and the issues uh, he had at Barcelona and um, how he went to Napoli, and that's when things outside his life started to change. But um, the way he transformed Napoli, and there's talks of it quite rightly, the stadium being renamed from the Sao Paulo to the Maradona Stadium. But for a player in that era where there was no internet, there was no social media, to get that sort of, I mean, you mentioned the fact when he came to Kerala and... Um, I'm sure TV was there, but not to the extent it is now. To get that sort of following in Kerala, which is a passionate football uh, state, let's not, you know, forget that. But also when he went to Kolkata, um, it just shows. But what is it about these geniuses that uh, they have these sort of lives? It's it's a, it's sad that we can't somehow protect our geniuses. I feel it's partly our responsibility as well. We put so much on them. There's so much pressure. We don't give them, I, I, especially talking about the Tasif Kapadia documentary that we were just talking about. You could see that he had no personal life. He could not walk out at, after a point. You know, people, you know, surround him. He, he could not be himself. And like a lot of people say in that documentary as well, Diego, the man was very pure. But Maradona, the, you know, became a demon after a while simply because of the kind of influence that were around him. And I think it's partly our responsibility that uh, I remember there's a uh, good speech by uh, the author of Eat, Pray, Love. It's a TED talk, uh, Liz Gilbert. And she talks about how, you know, sometimes this whole creative genius, it's nice to just imagine as an outside entity possessing you for a while. And it's not you. Because if, if, it, if you assume that it's you, then that's too much power on you, too much responsibility on you, too much like, she, she talks about how she's, you know, written Eat, Pray, Love, it's become a freakish success. And now her entire life is, you know, scary because can she repeat that magic? Can she sustain that? You know, and that's a lot of pressure you put on these creative people. And I think that's that's what happened to a, a Maradona. You don't allow them to live a normal life once they've, you know, achieved what, uh, what they've gone on to achieve. And then they need some kind of external release, you know, and some go, you know, like alcoholism has been a big problem for football for generations. And similarly, they, they all take different routes to, you know, I think it's it's partly our fault. We, we put so much on them. We, we call them God. Look at the number of articles written about Maradona, which address him as God. Well, there's an That's actual church in Argentina, um, the Church exactly. of Maradona. So I think that's, we put a lot of responsibility on people and we just don't let them become normal humans once they've achieved something. And I think I think you, me, everybody is at fault here, but that's how the system is. And I, I hope and I really hope that, you know, we can change as human beings and let people be creative geniuses and also have a good life and a, a normal life beyond it. But with social I mean, media, I think I did, I'm finding it even more difficult right now. Yeah, social media is is it's it's not it, it has its good and a lot of bad points. But I, I was just wondering, you know, uh, for parents, and uh, you look at the clean cut um, Ronaldo. There's nobody more uh, clean cut than him in terms of his lifestyle, and it's all about football for him. And outside, you don't hear anything, you know, much now, um, especially around any 
alcohol, he doesn't drink or any anything else. Mm -hmm. And Missy is such a gentleman by all accounts, you know, you can tell uh, what an incredible figure he is. But do you think parents will say, you know, be like Maradona? Or do you think they'll say, be like Messi? Forget about people living, uh, growing up in the Messi and um, Ronaldo era. But uh, will that side, his personal side, affect how people look back? And uh, they'll have uh, mixed views. Obviously, in England, we've got the handball goal, uh, hand of God goal, uh, that taints uh, slightly uh, what people's thoughts are of Maradona. But do you think outside England, the other aspect of his life, is overshadowing. I think everybody wants it. I mean, considering the genius that he is, I think everybody would want uh, their kids to be a Maradona. And when they say it, they're not saying you become a, an alcoholic or, you know, get into drugs or anything. They're not implying that. I think they're just, I think when we talk about Maradona, we're just talking about somebody, uh, you know, I think, again, I think it was Gary Lineker who said, he's not seen a player where the chemistry between the ball was so good. You know, it was almost like the ball stuck to him. The, the way he understood football was, you know, beyond comprehension for a normal human being. And uh, I think everybody would want their kid to be, I mean, if they're interested in football. It's just, which is still very new for our country. I don't think any, we, I mean, I'm sure our parents don't even say become a Messi or Ronaldo. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's a different debate, uh, a different topic to discuss on another day. But, uh, but I mean, I don't think that taints him in any way. And I think Maradona, I think we just let him be, right? Like, regardless of all the controversies that surrounded Maradona, regardless of, you know, little, little gimmicks on in the stadiums, little fun things, you know, him turning up for an interview and not saying a word. We always loved him. We couldn't hate on Maradona. We were just like, oh my God. You know, we were always like, oh my God, like, what a genius. And we just let it be, right? We just like, let him be. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, and like, Especially when you talk about say, uh, places like Kerala, places like uh, uh, West Bengal, there is also a lot of political history that sort of goes in sync with what Maradona did. And he's also very openly left uh, left person. Like he, his politics was very clear. Apparently, he spoke to the Pope about you know why don't you sell the gold uh, inside the church and you know help the kids if you really care about the kids. And that's the kind of person he was, right? So I think the myth and the legend of Maradona will always live. And, I, I think he's influenced far too many generations to just, you know, just be forgotten by, uh, like, you know, when we have kids, I don't think we are forgetting Maradona, so. Yeah, and uh, obviously, he had very close links, um, Cuba and Fidel and uh, the uh, government there, and uh, there, yeah. was no, that was, that there was no secret about his leanings uh, towards uh, a more socialist and uh, fair society and um, where his views were. But um, just looking, uh, you know, uh, just continuing and taking your views on Maradona for a little bit before we move on uh, to current events. But um, I did feel sorry for him because, I mean, you could see when he became manager and um, the issues he was having still, that he never, from this, I think from the point he joined Man Napoli to probably last week, he never had that network of um, support. And that is quite sad and shocking that, you know, he, he, because he's been close to death a few times before, uh, but he never seems to get that support to, you know, get him on the right, well, I say right track in um, uh, mark, but uh, yeah. mm -hmm. it, it was sad to see uh, at the end when he became, you know, managers of these uh, small clubs, for a man of his stature, of uh, his standing and his reputation, uh, that was quite sad. 
I don't think it's necessarily. I mean, obviously, there's a lobby. There's always jealousy. I mean, this is the truth of life. You face it in your career. I face it in my career. We all go through it. And when it's somebody like Maradona, the jealousy is even more. I think part like England obsessing about the hand of God is also one clear example of the country. You know, you know, always looking down on you know South Americans. And I have problems so many times with what people say when uh, Suarez was playing for Liverpool. They kept haunting him. You know, just kept villainizing him. He was an astounding player, one of the best players I've seen in the Premier League for Liverpool. But the commentators would, you know, all look at him play, acting, look, he's a cheat, he's this, he's that. So, you know, that 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 part, like, I don't want to get into the, uh, the details of, of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the politics of it. But, uh, of course, he's faced his challenges. I also think when you are as brilliant as Maradona, you'll struggle to be a coach because you're expecting your players to be at least one by tenth of your standards. I think your expectation is that the player understands. You know, the player naturally understands what's what to do with it. And which is strange for a player who never really defied, you know, def- like, you know, stuck to a particular position. I know he always wore the number 10 position. And I, I, I remember two, three lines distinctly from the Asif Kavadia documentary about the number 10 position itself and what it means and what it defines. Mm. And uh, but like I like my uh, my brother was telling this, you know, he was also pretty young. So he asked Uncle, like, what position does Maradona play so that you know, can go <laughs> And my uncle said, Maradona has no position. No. <laughs> Maradona has no position. He gets the ball and he does what he wants. He and could the have worn the number one shirt and um, it wouldn't have been yeah, any different. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think he's also like, you, you see good players struggle, right? I'm, uh, Thierry Henry struggles as a. You know, a coach. He's not really proven to be a good coach so far, at least. And I think that's because Thierry Henry, what he did on the pitch is impossible for 99.9% of footballers across the world. And uh, Tony Adams, you all thought, you know, big captain for Arsenal. We all thought, you know, he's going to become a successful coach. He was, he never had like a good stint as a coach. Uh, so I think, it, I don't think it's fair for us to say a good player should naturally become a good coach. And it's very likely that Maradona was a very bad coach that, you know, because he was just expecting his footballers just to, you know, just go do your thing. You know, that's that's how football's played. Again, a lot of assumptions here. I have not sat in the dressing room. Maybe he was a tactically brilliant man and, you know, players just didn't understand what Maradona. But like, your assumption is that, you know, that's not Maradona. You know, Maradona probably just went and said, you know, why don't you go out and, you know, play, enjoy football and, you know, win matches. So, it could be that as well that could have, you know, led to the downfall of it. Obviously, a lot of external pressure. I don't think he was a man who could have been easily influenced. So, even if, say, uh, you know, a UEFA, a FIFA, all of them, you know, approached him with a certain thing, I'm sure he would have just rejected it. He's like, no, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, have, I don't want to do, I don't want to get into the politics of it or I don't want to, you know, stick to any, any norms or rules that he put on me. So, he lived his life and I think we need to just, you know, Look back and say, "Hey, what a what a player, what a gifted man!" And I think we just need. I don't think it's it's fair for us to you know be critical, saying, "Oh, we, he should have probably done that. He should have got this help and all." Let the, let the man be, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And he was. He lived uh, the life uh, he wanted to and the way he wanted to. And um, I don't think there's uh, any doubt about that. But I love the fact that he was so passionate as a supporter when you saw him at Argentina games or at Boca Juniors games. Uh, you can see he was living the life of we do as supporters of fans of our clubs. Yeah. And that was, you don't often see that much passion 
uh, from ex-players, former players, you know, even with uh, a tenth of the class and talent that Maradona had, he was incredibly proud of um, uh, the teams he supported and uh, played for and uh, loved. And uh, that was really great to see. Um, just, I mean, this is a by-the-by question, but uh, somebody did say the other day, and uh, I said, you can't judge. Uh, but, um, you know, when you talk about the geniuses, there's four that spring to mind, which is Pele, Maradona, and currently we have uh, Messi and Ronaldo. And uh, from what you're saying, and uh, I think I have to agree with you because obviously I didn't see Pelé, believe it or not, I'm not that old. Uh, but uh, he played under circumstances that I think Messi and Ronaldo would struggle with. But each generation has to adapt to what they've got. Uh, but out of them four, I think, um, I don't know if you agree, but Maradona is number one for me. For me as well, definitely. Because what he, he is a charisma. I think the, all of them, all of the others mentioned are like exceptional footballers. But like, I think Maradona, what he did on the pitch and off the pitch and everything, you know, he brought to football is just like number one for me. Yeah, absolutely. A proper one-man team. And um, he's going to improve uh, by a long way the team um, in heaven by uh, a, a long uh, a stretch, no doubt about that. So that's... Um, I, can, I can imagine a heaven, you know, where... Johan Cruyff is already, you know, waiting for him to just join the team. <laughs> That's an uh, incredible eleven they have up there. Uh, they can play yeah. in any era, but uh, yeah, a yeah. sad loss. But like you said, um, you know, we've been close to this loss uh, for a few times. But when it did happen, it was still a shock when I um, picked up the social media. And um, um, yeah, he'll never be forgotten. He's one of those. Um, but moving on to um, more... Uh, recent happenings and in the past week of the Indian Super League and uh, a couple of things I just want to uh, mention that this has been I said it a few weeks and I'm not going to say anymore but you know my first time of watching regular Indian football um, and um, I really enjoyed uh, the game last Sunday uh, Goa versus uh, BFC because the Saturday you know I found the game the standard um quite you know disappointing shall i say and uh, what i've seen is and you can probably tell me if this is normal but in terms of the uh, passing accuracy whether it's decision making of certain players the standard you know or am i expecting too much or is this something that's improving but it doesn't seem to be you know the game management doesn't seem to be there and the passing accuracy doesn't seem to be there with our players you can see the difference between the international foreign players and our players most of them because the majority are not top-class internationals, even even if they play for India. But that was my uh, few takeaways from watching quite a few games this week. Um, it is true. It's, I mean, the standard I is very it. variable in terms of, um, like I said, I really enjoyed the Goa game against the uh, BFC. But then I saw my boys, uh, Orisha, and I have to say I was really disappointed. Rohan probably won't like me saying it so bluntly. He was, you know, saying it was first game. And I'm hoping for a change today. Uh, but what's your what's your thoughts on what I said in the past week in terms of the games? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, we've been saying this forever as well. In fact, I remember saying this to you in last year. I've sort of noticed that the Indians take the safer route when foreigners are around. Mm. And like this is a very controversial view, but like when there are like five foreigners around, when there's a risky pass they instead pass it to the foreigner. And that really doesn't help our football because you want, you know, footballers to make that risky pass, you know. 
even if it's like a 60-40, go for it, you know, give, give it a shot. Because that through ball can really open up defenses, you know, make those, you know, defense splitting passes. Even, even the likes of Sahal in a first match, you kept, you know, seeing him turn back and mm. look for the easy option and not, you know, play his customary, you know, through balls and all that. So, obviously, whatever you said is true. And only very few players have really picked up and, you know, stepped up to the challenge. You see Anuruttapa. Now, he is a transformed player. He's really thrived playing with foreigners and he's taken up that responsibility. He can play anywhere in the central midfield. As a CAM, as a number 10, he can play as a, you know, a favorite. He's a very versatile midfielder. Brandon Fernandez, for example, can play in the wing, can play in the center. And, you know, only very few players have really taken up. And I think, uh, I'm sure you, you can notice this as well, and this is what you wanted to say. Uh, more than say the passing accuracy in terms of pair percentage as well, because they, they do a lot of back passes and side passes, which obviously improves the percentage. What I don't see them is making really important passes, like you know, and that really have uh, that is partly down to the fact that they don't hold the ball enough. There seems to be like that tension. A, a foreigner can you know hold a ball for at least another two seconds, another one second, point five of second. That really makes a difference. The moment there's a ball on the Indian, it's almost like he's turning. What options do I have? What options do I have? Or should I just run? Should I just run? Or just kick that, it. You know, that wide vision of, you know, really, you know, calm down. I have my ability. If there's someone charging, I can just, you know, fake or like just dribble past him and then open up that space. You don't have to, you know, hit a, hit a pass first time. And that's partly why the percentage is also, you know, really a little poor because they're trying you know first time passes they're trying to uh, you know not be you know dispossessed so rather you know try to get the ball away so i want indians to be more brave and that can only happen with coaches trusting them you know playing them in important positions and you know just say you know it's okay if you lose the ball but i still want you to try to um, you know hold on to the ball because that will really improve the team you see i mean the likes of lenny rodriguez for example fc goa He's a vastly improved player because Sergio Lubera trusted. You know, he, he plays in a very almost like a register role, you know, gets a ball from the defenders, you know, turns, looks for people. And I want more Indians to be more comfortable that way. I really am hoping that Lubera can develop both uh, uh, Reino and Borges that way because there are like the two good midfielders who can really improve on the ball, especially. And similarly, I think it's, it's a process. Also, let's give it to them that they've had very little preseason now. It really takes time to, you know, really, you know, kickstart the, you know, engine. But generally, even the likes of Udanta, Jackie Chan, I've been really disappointed with these players. They're just like hitting those crosses where nobody is there. Prashant for Kerala Blasters. I, I mean, when a team is doing really well, you would want them to, especially these wing position was something that we always thought Indians were good at. Like, you know, at least, you know, we could run in the wing position, you know, put in those dribbles, put in those crosses. But... Len for uh, Goa. He's shown glimpses, but he's not been good enough. But so, really want the Indian wingers and attackers to really step up their game. They can't just say, oh no, we're not being played in the striker position. You need to tell the coach that you deserve to be played in the right position. Earn your right. Don't just, you know, because you've not shown anything where, you know, the coach will say, okay, I, why don't I, you know, look at Manmir, for example. He's got a very good coach. Now, that's, that's going to bring some trust. And that that's 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 the process, you know. Go there, fight hard, earn that position. And I think it's a process. I don't know. Some people say it's better to play with five foreigners because that really improves the football as such and the vision improves and all. 
But sometimes I think it's the opposite. Especially last year with FC Goa, when they were playing with like three foreigners, they were the likes of Brandon were like really taking charge and really commanding. And so, yeah, it's, it's a complicated. I thought Odisha's case was the same last time around. They were, you know, the 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 Indian core was running the show last time around. So more, you know, extravagant football, attacking relentlessly. Last time, in, in the first match of the season, I thought they were a little confused with their identity. What did they want to do? They want to just... It's in it the same this like, week. Yeah, and like, uh, you know, pass the ball to Onwu and see what, you know, what happens. With that seemed to be the strategy. And Onwu also was like, getting the ball in like midfield positions where he can't like turn and, you know, hit it goal. So, early days, again, I don't want to take... Yeah, it is early days, but just a few. And like you said, pre, there was hardly a pre-season, so we need to give the players um, a bit of time. Um, but you mentioned yeah. two players, and they stood out for me as well. You know, Brandon, when he came on last week, changed the game. And uh, Tapa, I thought, against uh, in the JFC uh, game, uh, stood out for me. But it was just the general, um, you know, uh, thoughts that, you know, the players um, were a little bit disappointing in terms of... You say back passes, but even they were getting some of the easy passes wrong. Uh, seemed to be hoofing the ball rather than you know taking a second or two to uh, see what was op- what options were there. And then you mentioned the wingers. Uh, the crossing has been so poor, um, but uh, we'll see if that improves. Or my, um, you know, I'm being really harsh, having you know been used to different brand of football because I, I, I compare it to whether it's a Premier League Championship or the lower division. No, I, I just want to like interrupt there. And this is what it, this is what the reality is. A lot of people don't talk about. A lot of people say, oh, why are you watching Premier League and not watching Indian Super League? If I was just a fan and I was I'm just watching TV for consumption and just like entertainment, I will watch Premier League because it's fast, it's well produced, it's entertaining and you can't really blame you know people for not watching. Uh, ISL as well. I understand the need for us to support, but asking a normal person who's just you know using the weekend, you know, swip, uh, you know, just swap through channels and watch a little bit of football while talking to friends and all, they probably want to watch Premier League, and that's the reality of it. And things will only improve once our football improves. It's a it's a process that you know I know for football to improve, we need to watch it. So it's it's all hand in hand and it's sometimes unfair. I see a lot of posts on Twitter and saying, oh, you watch Premier League, you watch Liverpool, but you don't watch Indian football, you're your plastic and all that. <laughs> you know, let's be very realistic about it. It's not, you know, Jurgen Klopp football is drastically different from what we're seeing here in India. Yeah, I want to talk about Klopp later because uh, he had an interest yesterday. Uh, but, yeah, um, I, I had a big discussion about that in a WhatsApp group as well. We'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, but uh, just um, going back to, to the uh, week that's just happened, um, I'd say I've been really impressed with uh, uh, the Northeast United uh, coach. I think he comes across really Absolutely. well. He seems to have a plan. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you can see, you know, the start they've had, it's um, pretty decent compared to, um, you know, my boys for a start, although we've only played one game. But the type of football he's playing and the players he's got, uh, let's face it, you know, they're not the biggest names uh, in even in Indian football. But I like the way they're playing. Um, 80, 80K uh, Bagan. Um, I know I mentioned it last week and you quite rightly said, you know, this is the way they play. Uh, but they're not helping the cause of uh, entertainment, are they? Absolutely, and they don't care about it. They they are all about winning, and well, you can't blame them, right? They've got two the recent two matches, look really you know solid in defense, and yeah, I think and I think sort of showed 
Kerala Blasters side as well exposed in some sense because there was a sense of optimism last time around after the first match because people thought oh Kerala was dominating you know giving it a go against mm. champions ATK side but here was East Bengal who is not at all fancied this season because of the you know very little pre season time they've had with all those changes and all and they were also at at you know a lot of if you look at the possession stats if you look at you know uh, where they had the position on you you would just you would think that East Bengal had a good game and probably were unlucky to lose the match but that's that's how ATK is that's like Antonio Conte's Chelsea for example just sit back sit back sit back counter goal done so this is how ATK is going to play all season don't be surprised by it at all yeah, and um, it is reflected in the game against the the biggest game that uh, yeah the hype's been there all week or since the fixtures came out uh, against. Um, I think I have to get this one right as well because I say ATK Mon Bagan, I have to say Sri Cement's East Bengal now. Uh, but uh, I did enjoy that game. Um, I think it was good to um, there was some good football. Uh, but um, I was thinking that East Bengal might struggle a bit more, but they did uh, you know. Uh, but then again, it's the way ATK Mohan Bagan play where they give you a lot of space and a lot of time. So that might be, like you said, a little bit deceiving of uh, the reality. But uh, in terms of the first game, uh, I don't know what the reaction has been back home uh, with these being all fans. I know they had big stars uh, on the fan walls um, as well uh, during the game and big interviews before the start. Um, but how did that game go in terms of um, social media and the reaction? I'm frankly surprised. I think these Bengal fans were very positive about it. I I didn't see a lot of people losing their, you know, they they were realistic about their side stances. We were talking about a, an ATK Mohan Bagan side. I know it's a new side on paper, but it's pretty much the ATK side that won the league last time around. So, and it's the same coach as well. So it's a well-drilled side, knows what to do. They've updated, you know, upgraded with a couple of good players like say Manveer Singh who came in and scored a goal. Roy Krishna is like arguably the best striker in the league. So he you know, you give him one chance, you give him two chances, he's going to score a goal. So, yeah, I think East Bengal fans were quite, you know, okay about it. Uh, and generally, I think the feeling was that, um, I think it was well received. There was a lot of hype before the match as well. Kolkata Derby, you know, first ISL Kolkata Derby. It's almost like, you know, the biggest match had come to the right place finally. Uh, yeah, I think good for football. Good, I mean, I, I did come across a very interesting stat though. Uh, somebody had tweeted saying, it's very interesting that when there's a Kolkata Derby, there's a lot of Kolkata football viewers, but they don't necessarily tune up for their other matches. So it's only like they, they watch the Derby, but they yeah. don't necessarily watch the other matches of say East Bengal or Rating of Bagan. So that's that's an interesting thing. We just sort of assume that, you know, Kolkata fans are always, you know, glued to the TV watching football, but not necessarily so. One thing, obviously, is it's an obvious statement to make, but uh, having 100,000 100, plus people at the uh, Salt Lake Stadium would have made a difference to the atmosphere and maybe the, well, Absolutely. maybe the result. You don't know how players react. But um, it's certainly been noticeable and people have said that, you know, with no crowds in the Premier League, some of the younger players or you know, are getting a lot more confidence because they're not getting the supporters on their back when they make a mistake. Or even, the, you know, the bigger names, you know. Um, they're playing a little bit more freely. Um, are you noticing that in, in the ISL, although it's only been a couple of games? Uh, yeah, I think it's just too early to notice. And also, we we don't see these players throughout the year, like, say, Premier League, right? So we don't know how they perform otherwise as well. 
because a lot of players turn up one way for one season then they get like an eight six eight month you know off and then they turn up as a completely different player next season around in a, in a good and bad way so uh yeah too early to see you know really make any conclusion about you know how say uh, sahal is going to perform or how somebody and like you said uh, the pressure is not there for from the fans there's the other side of it as well that right? some people really thrive in that pressure you know some people really love the noise behind them and you know they they really put their heart out when there is that fans you know supporting them so it's, i think it's both way around and yeah nothing noticeable so far i mean the, the regular performers have performed and uh the newcomers have sort of you know i was uh, yeah for kerala blasters i thought uh, rohit played a good match in the midfield i was pleasantly surprised to see him he wasn't uh, a favorite to start for me but he he ran the show quite well in the in the center midfield and you know players like that uh, i think uh, i think considering the difficulty of the season the number of substitutes available you might see occasional performances like deepak tangri starting for chennai in last same round when we were expecting edwin to start so you might see a couple of surprises here and there yeah and uh, in terms of um, your local team the blasters uh, losing uh, a two goal lead um, it was a, literally a game of two halves um what's been the reaction there after a couple of games i mean it's not been the worst start i know uh, disappointing to lose yeah. a two goal start but you can see the signs of a, a, a good team there of course yeah i mean there is a definitely potential there I think uh, Kibu is still, you know, working out how to, you know, get the best eleven. I think that will be the biggest challenge. Uh, before the season, a lot of people thought Sergio Sudonja is probably uh, the foreigner who is going to sit out most, but he's clearly been given a big role, and he's the captain of the side and even scored a goal as well. Um, Everybody is still waiting for uh, Rahul to be fully fit and you know, hopefully to see Sahil more in action. but uh, it's it's clear that the team management has given the coach the full backing like if you want to drop him drop him it's i mean the ultimate goal is to win as many football matches as possible there was a lot of uh, uh, voices raised uh, before the match when there was no kerala player starting for kerala blasters everybody is like no why call this kerala blasters if nobody is going to promote our football so i think it's a little unfair the players also have to be enough quality you know start so it's, it's partly their fault as well you know you have to really perform well to be part of an isl side but yeah generally i think uh, my at least the circles that i am part of have been quite okay they're like okay we understand the team in the transition it's going to take some time and they've been patient so far yeah uh, and it is early days uh, i think um, yeah. you need to get through a third of the season before you start um, seeing and against how- uh, and against northeast i think it's important to acknowledge they were good Yeah. Rather than just Kerala Blasters faltered or anything, uh, Gerard Nuss seemed to be like a superb manager. He changed things around. He understood mm-hmm. how Kerala had lined up with a lot of you know crossing ability, and they were really attacking the side through the width. So he he introduced the likes of Brito, and I think that really changed the match. He uh, started the press in the wide areas as well, and he was yeah. quick thinking. He, he was not uh, you know he was not waiting till the 80th minute to act. So yeah, I think it's been. It, Yeah, he's he's really adapted to Indian football very very quickly, and um, he seems to have got a good unit there. Like I said uh, earlier, so that yeah, um, the only uh, player that I wanted to talk about and uh, I've been impressed with so so far has been Lofondre at uh, Mumbai. 
I think he's had a really good couple of games. He seems to be on it. Uh, seems to be um, uh, a striker that's going to score a few goals if he's allowed to play uh, down the centre. Um, your thoughts on any of the internationals that so far stood out for you? I, I quite like uh, Angulo of FC Goa as well. He was making a lot of good runs and seems to be the perfect uh, you know, replacement for Koro. I mean, it's, it's big boots to fill, so not saying that he's going to just jump in and score goals like Koro. But uh, the, the FC Goa side also is very confident that he's been doing the right thing. It's just a matter of, you know, starting to score a few more goals. He, I mean, he did score two goals against Bangalore. So, yeah, I think uh, those two foreigners have stood out for me. And uh, generally, the I like the striker for uh, Northeast United, uh, Apia. He, he seemed quite nice, he was, you know, you know, running and, uh, you know, pressing really hard and, I think the the scouting departments of all ISL sites have improved. That's a, that's a clear sign here. I think they they've no longer brought people who are like unfit or not willing to really you know chase for the football and really do hard work. Uh, and it's good to see eleven players on the field. Sometimes you you know you would have a marquee player who's just strolling and he's not ready to run or he's not you know ready to work hard for it. So week. Sorry. A bit like Marcelino for Orisha last week. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, obviously, so there, there needs to be that, uh, I mean, the scouting department is clearly improved. That, that can be seen. I think it's a span, like across all teams, the players have been uh, quite good. I've been a little disappointed with Bangalore. I, I think we need to talk about Bangalore for sure. Uh, we did raise this issue earlier as well about Quadrat and his you know, style of play, playing Ashik as a left back. It seems a little confusing. Uh, it seems like Bangalore can only score through set pieces these days, and it's a little worrying for me because that's a team that's that's a very dominant team. That I mean, Bangalore was a team that we always looked up to for improving Indian football, and sadly, they're no, no that's no longer the case right now. It's just like playing a lot of crosses and getting a lot of set pieces somehow scoring through set pieces. So it's a, it's a little bit of a concern for me as well. Yeah, and. Um... But, you know, they're going to be uh, there or thereabouts. They've got the quality there. So, uh, still early stages. Um, but one thing I, mean, I did it's, want... I know it's, it's, it's early stages, but like, look at Hyderabad, for example. They've got some important yeah. points in the in the first two matches. And they've played really good football. So, I, yeah. I don't think Bangalore and FC Goa should relax and say, hey, no, we're eventually going to end up top anyway. And I think it's not that kind of a season. They'll have to be like really up with their game. Yeah, and when you look at the table at the moment, it's very early to look at the table, but obviously not if you're a Northeast United fan or a Hyderabad fan. But, uh, you know, there's uh, some unusual uh, suspects uh, in the top four at the moment. But um, one thing I have to comment on, um, and uh, I think I mentioned it last time uh, in the last season, about the refereeing. I've been quite impressed with the refereeing so far. I don't know what the perception is in India. Uh <laughs> Uh, not so much for I, I. I didn't quite like the Kerala versus Northeast United match, for example. That, that was a little poor. And uh, yeah, I mean, generally the first few matches, but you also see uh, a, it's almost like the commentators have been asked to repeat this because you keep seeing like for even like average performance from referee, they say, "Oh, it's been a very good refereeing performance." It seems like sort of reinstating that you know referees haven't made any blunder. I mean, that's a bare <laughs> minimum expect. Don't you know? You don't need to pat on the back for a referee doing the right thing. But, yeah, but some uh, of the calls, considering they haven't got VAR, we're used to here, and I'll come on to that very quickly. But, uh, you know, some of the red card decisions, some of the penalty decisions, uh, 
they've got them right. You've got to give them a little yeah. bit of um, fair juice. No, I mean, I'm not saying they've been bad, but I don't necessarily see the you know need to tell that you know they've been exceptional, spot on, and you know just doing their job. So, I, I mean, and it's very early again. Let's see. I'm sure we'll see more drama as. <laughs> through the season. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, but uh, some big games uh, and and one starting in five minutes, which I'm really looking forward to. I hope uh, Orisha can uh, uh, get the first win of the season. It's going to be uh, difficult against Jamshedpur. Owen Quill obviously um, uh, has not had the best starts there. But uh, then your boys, uh, is it a local derby against Chennai? So you'll be interested in that. Looking forward to that? I mean, they do they do build it up as a South Indian derby, but we are like split by seven hundred kilometers. So, <laughs> is that a derby in your place? <laughs> well, uh, not here, but you'll be playing in France here if, if that's the case. But um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking so, forward to it. Uh, it's, it's, it's called the South Indian derby, and then there's also a little bit of history from season one as well. Uh, you know, Abhishek Bachchan, you know, doing the snake dance, and you know. <laughs> Caroline's still coming to win that. And I think since, since season one, there's been a bit of a controversy between the two teams. Also, because there's a lot of uh, a lot of Malayali population in Chennai, there's a lot of Tamil population in Kochi, uh, similar with Bangalore as well. It's it's almost like a, 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 a tri, uh, tri-city is a big word. I mean, that's not the right word to use. But like it's a triangle of rivalry, I think. It's just uh, three states, three important cities. Yeah. All you know, trying to be you know, and for, strangely, Hyderabad isn't great included. I mean, <laughs> technically, it should be as well. It should be like a four way South Indian battle, but and right now it's a three way thing with like I think Kerala Blast is obviously the most noisiest on social media, they've got massive presence oh. everywhere. And base is unbelievable, Kerala Blast, but unfortunately, I mean... nothing to show, they don't have a trophy, <laughs> so it's a, it's a very interesting chemistry. If Kerala Blasters win something, they'll be like very difficult to manage. Uh, so <laughs> other two teams will be hoping that stays uh, an empty cabinet there. But, uh, but that is one thing. One thing I've learned is never put a fan poll out there because uh, the Blasters, if they're included, yeah. they will win any fan poll against any Anything. team in the world. So uh, we will, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure United will get defeated. <laughs> that can, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'm really looking forward to the two games today. But then after that, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm looking forward to uh, your Chelsea Blues. Um, they are playing their rivals, Tottenham. Although Tottenham might obviously say it's Arsenal. But for Chelsea, this is their derby, uh, realistically, because let's forget QPR and the likes of uh, those clubs. But um, this is a big game. And uh, the talk last week, um, for Tottenham, uh, especially from their fans, was that this is this could be their season, their title-winning season. They've got the manager who's done it before. Uh, he's had a season, um, but then Frank is not. He's doing it quite not quietly, but he, he had a bit of a sticky patch earlier on, even though it's still early. Um, but the players seem to be uh, gelling now and producing. So I'm looking really looking forward to that game. Um, how do you think it will go? And do you think Tottenham are realistic challengers? Of course, yeah. Tottenham are good realistic challenges because uh, Mourinho has got a team that he likes. They are they're nasty if they have to. They're big. They're like athletic. Uh, they can defend. They can counter at the speed of light. And yeah, I think uh, uh, Son is arguably, I mean, top 10 player in the world right now. I mean, we keep seeing, we keep calling him Asia's best player, but I think uh, he's right there amongst the world's best right now in terms of how clinical he is. I think so. Is. I agree. Yeah. 
and Hurricane is now developed into this assist making uh, forward as well. So he's happy to feed Son. They've got the likes of you know Lucas Moura, Gareth Bale, you know Bergwijn. So so many good players out there for good attack as well and good number of bodies behind for a Marino kind of defense. So Marino can't really have any realistic complaint. Um, they, you know he's got a team that he generally likes. Tottenham has gone all out and you know got him his targets. I mean it's very strange for a Daniel Levy uh, team to you know yeah. spend this. Uh, but yes. so they, they've clearly seen something there, uh, maybe even the Amazon deal, perhaps. But something is working out there for for them. Then I think uh, strangely Lampard has gotten better of Mourinho, so he's going to come back with revenge. I'm sure Mourinho has been I you know preparing for this match for the last uh, even two three weeks. I mean I know he's had other encounters, but I'm sure he's been putting extra effort to be ready for this match. So it's a very interesting, very interesting battle. I think Chelsea are a little more fatigued with the. You know, midweek uh, match as well, but Chelsea are also in a good, uh, good run of form. They've been winning a lot of matches, not conceding a lot of goals. Uh, so yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I, it is a very strange thing to say. Uh, say when, when I say Thiago Silva uh, could be, you know, ex, you know, exposed today because lack of pace can be exposed today by a team like Tottenham. Uh, in, because you, I mean, he's been superb so far for Chelsea. You can't, you know, there's nothing he's done wrong so far. But um, expect Mourinho to, you know, expose the weaknesses in Chelsea. So, it's going to be a very difficult match. I, as a Chelsea fan, obviously hope that Chelsea is going to win. Because that will really help our cause. I think a, a lot of people have written off Chelsea as a title contender. But why not this season? Everything, everything is possible this season. So, uh, a victory against Autonome can go a long way in, you know, instilling belief in that young Chelsea side as well. So, very, very important match. It's as important as, say, Liverpool versus City, according to me. Yeah, and and a um, couple of things. I think um, with the Mourinho, and you're saying the players he, he he wanted, he got, and a lot of Arsenal players, uh, Arsenal supporters, are saying, how can we be outspent by Daniel Levy uh, when he's just built uh, one of the best stadiums in the world, and we yeah. played for our stadium. So Arsenal are going the other way uh, at the moment in terms of the fan base. But I think uh, PAML Hoiberg has been an incredible signing for Tottenham Absolutely. as a CDM. Absolutely. Um, I think he's made a big difference. But I, I think um, Thiago with uh, Kane, um, I'm not sure who would win that. I don't think Kane's got the most uh, his, his speed throughout the bit. But I think if he gets on a one-to-one with Son, he might be in a bit of trouble. Uh, but um, I think um, I fancy your boys today for some unknown reason. Um, I think, um, you know, Mourinho, he's got that defensive uh, play, but uh, with uh, the players that you've got, um, I think you might just uh, sneak that one. Um, you've certainly got the players to do that. So I'm looking forward to that game immensely. But you mentioned um, the uh, the tough uh, midweek game, and this was the big issue that um, Klopp had, Jürgen Klopp, and that was an amazing interview he did with BT Sports. I felt for the reporter. That's a tough uh <laughs> Tough gig, but obviously they've got a bit of a record because he did point out, you know, that uh, he wanted a headline. Uh, what did he make of that comment? And what do you think about these big clubs? And you support a big club, I don't, um, in terms of the history and the size of wanting five subjects used. I thought it was ridiculous. I lost my shit. I, sorry for the language, but I, I uh, there was a WhatsApp group where we discussed a lot of football content. Everybody's like, well, Klopp is right, Klopp is right. I'm like, I don't care if Klopp is right. There is, there is a code of contact and you can't pick on some reporter and just, you know, let go and just, and completely deny the fact that 
a lot of teams are eating into the budget that comes from it. You signed up for it as well. So why didn't you think you signed up for the three substitute thing as well earlier on? And back then you thought three was good enough. Suddenly you won five and you have problems with Chris Wilder pointing out that, you know, that's an unfair advantage. Klopp talks about, you know, changing Robertson and bringing somebody on. And he's bringing on somebody who's a, you know, a starter for a Greek team. While a Scott Parker has to, you know, replace his left back with somebody who's like 16 years old and has never, you know, come anywhere close to a Premier League. So it's not the same. You know, stop pretending like it's the same for all teams. I agree. I agree. There should be five substitutes. But if our really? team says, you know, I, I would say, I mean, players need some rest and I don't know what is the solution to it. You could either cut down the number of matches or figure out some other way, you know, expand the season or something. But uh, it is, it is, I mean, it's just common sense that players are going to get injured very fast at this rate. I mean, there's no denying that. But to jump on a reporter, <laughs> he's not another manager. If he was going on this attack with, say, Frank Lampard at the other end, I can understand. That's like pure to pure. This is some reporter. Now, the entire Liverpool fan base is going to jump on this reporter. You know, troll him, God knows, you know, abuse him. You know, pick, a fight, pick a fight with somebody on your level. Don't, you know, don't do this to somebody. And, I mean, he asks very simple questions like, you know, what injuries to a Milner? I mean, as if the, yeah, as if the journalists want Milner injured. I mean, what are you, what are you trying to imply? It's just a club reeking of arrogance. Uh, you know, raking of power. I, I I told my friends he reminded me of Donald Trump. I know he's Liverpool. <laughs> he's you know seemingly progressive. Comparison. I mean, that's exactly what he does. What Trump does in most of his press conferences, just you know, just bully journalists off. You know, just not let them talk. You know, just not let them you know put their. I I I have immense respect for the journalists to you know you know have the guts to point out. It wouldn't have been easy to talk back to Klopp. I have immense respect for him to say, hey, listen, why don't you take it up to people who can actually do something about it? I'm just doing my job here. I've been asked to interview. I ask you very simple questions. Like, if you want to lose your shit, go lose, you know, with somebody else. It was just, I just hated how Klopp handled it. I might agree or might not agree with what he had to say in terms, you know, it's becoming very stressful for players not. But to point out that, you know, Chris Wilder has just one point despite having, you know, just three, it's just... Lack of class. There's there is nothing classy attached to it, and I'm sorry when fans, you know, you know, take it up and say, oh, this is how you know, uh, very cool of Klopp to you know give it back and whatever. You are in some sense ensuring or like starting a precedent which could be really bad for football because you don't want journalists getting picked for everything. This, I mean, I I, I was so vocal. Same case when Dhoni lost in a press conference. Lost his, you know, control in a press conference last time. He called the journalist and made him sit. This is not cool. You're not the same power. You're not. You're not calling, say, another captain. You're not asking, uh, you know, Aaron Finns to come and sit with you or somebody like that to come and sit with you. It's, it's just a journalist. And if people don't understand, uh, you know, that we have to do our job and it's a, it's a way of our living, then I'm sorry, this is not working. You're just killing press uh, freedom by doing all this. So. For me, it was very infuriating to watch and more uh, more sad to see a lot of people justify. It was like, yeah, Klopp is correct. Klopp is, you know, doing... What? Klopp is correct. Pep is correct. Ole is correct. Frank Lampard is correct. What about the other managers? What about the other teams? What about what they want? I mean, clearly, it's, it's, a, it's just a talk about, you know, they get way more money. Why don't you build a squad for it then? Like, you know, you have to play a Champions League. 
go get another few players why don't you rotate your players i mean you've got a big fat squad why don't you play other players no this is my point and i don't didn't agree with the way he uh, picked on that reporter and i i agree with you fair play to the reporter you know he stood up for himself you know pointed out the fact that he's uh, having a go at the wrong person um i didn't agree with any of the points if you want five substitutes make that decision at the start of the season you've got chief executives that go and talk about all this make your views known and if the majority don't that's it fair play majority don't we live in a democracy of some sort so and for him to call out chris wilder i thought that was so out of order you can't call out a fellow manager in a private meeting where i didn't know that uh, obviously information might have come out and i missed it but i didn't know any managers that were named in terms of not wanting this new change and the fact that my own club we've had so many injuries to our first team players and we don't have the biggest squad but you never heard Leicester fans saying you know we want to change to the five player rule or you know there's too many games or anything you just get on with it bring in the kids and they perform and these big clubs it annoys me so much when they've got 25 man squads they ship out players to play you know um on loan uh, left right and center and then they moan about uh, the fixture congestion. Well, I'm sorry, but you've had this fixture congestion. You know about it. If you're successful, you're going to be in these tournaments. So pick and choose the tournaments you want to focus on and rotate your players, but don't come out blaming them. Uh, the they're happy to take the TV money. What did he want? He says they're playing on Tuesday, so they couldn't play on Sunday. So Saturday was the only time they could play. So any that injury could happen at any time if it played at 12.30, 3 o'clock yeah, exactly. or 5, three 5.30. Three hours of recovery is going to make a few months difference. It's, it's, and, why did you have to play Robertson in the first place? You had a good quality left back. Why did you start him? Why yeah. do you have to play Robertson? It's I think just, this, this is, is you're going to see a bit more of this from Klopp. And you saw it from Pep as well. When things are not going well on the pitch, uh, there's other... And in, in some ways, um, it is a bit uh, but um, yeah, and you saw that uh, the, uh, you know, the big teams, when things don't go their way, you know, they start um, throwing their toys out of the pram. And I, I was laughing. I wasn't annoyed. I was just laughing at the interview. I found it really funny. Um, I thought, you know, <laughs> he's, he's throwing a tantrum here uh, quite wrongly, and yeah. I think he'll he'll regret it afterwards. And I think he did because he did an interview with B, uh, BBC afterwards, and you can see a bit of uh thought had got into that one uh but the first one really stood out and uh, showed his um and we need, need to stop justifying it a lot of people justify the saying, oh it's a heat of the moment don't let it go you need to call this out as it is you know it was poor from him it's it's uncool to you know call out another manager going through a hard time and saying you know look at him he got he got his three substitutes but what changes so, in, as if suggesting that, you know, if it was his five substitute, things would be better for Chris Wilder. Just, yeah, I was just completely unprofessional. I know club fans and local fans will just, you know, that's the world we live, right? We don't really be critical of people who, who we like. We just follow them blindly. So, obviously, a lot of people will just say, oh, no, he's, he's correct. He was just, you know, raising the valid points. And even if he was, assuming he was in whatever he, he said wasn't. was spot. I mean, I'm just like, just assuming it was. Even then, this is not justified. Even then, the way he went about it is not justified. So, just... He, so he to no the moment to... is when you have uh, uh, somebody that experienced with media. Um, I don't think that really...
ever happens. Moment. Yeah. Um, but uh, like you said, I think the the young uh, I don't know if he's young. He probably was young uh, compared to me. But uh, fair play to him. I'm glad he stood up and said, you know, you're picking the picking on the wrong person. Uh, you're shooting the messenger here. You need to go and speak to your superiors and take it up with the Premier League as to uh, game times and. It's it's a simple rule. I think we follow it as writers. Uh, uh, I've seen comedians talk about it. You don't punch down. You never punch down. You always punch up. If you want to make a joke, you make about joke that are about the privilege. You don't make joke about you know uh, you know somebody who's be, like below you in the social strata or anything. It's a simple thing. Klopp cannot pick on a small reporter. Klopp can pick on say Pep Guardiola, for example. That's fine. They're, they're peers in some way. But like, don't do this to a reporter. There's no way we can justify this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, picking on naming Chris Wilder was absolutely out of order. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we've agreed on a lot of things today. So um, it's gone really quickly as usual. I'm going to run down now <laughs> and catch my boys, um, win our first game. Look, we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. I think three points are really important today. I won't be too bothered about the performance uh, at the moment, uh, but uh, looking forward to that and the, uh, your uh, Kerala team. So it's a full day in front of the TV, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but likewise, thank you again, likewise. Nevin. I really appreciate it. Uh, you taking time out. Really enjoyed it. And um, hopefully we can catch up. Uh...